Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Once again, that you decided to be here with us at New Story Church today. And we are in our fourth and final week of a series called Centered Church. This is our final week of this series. I've really enjoyed being in this series. I hope for those of you who've been here with us, you've enjoyed it as well. And if you've missed weeks one through three of this series, please check them out on our YouTube channel at a later date because this series is very connected. We've been building on different thoughts and ideas week after week of what it means for us to be a church that has Jesus at the center and move toward moves towards Christ and becomes more and more like him. And in this series, we've been rooted in the book of Galatians and our core verse has been Galatians 4.19, where Paul writes this to the church at Galatia. You'll see this verse up on the screen. Galatians 4.19, Paul says to them, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. The desire of Paul for this church is that Christ would be formed within them. And my prayer for us is that Christ would be formed in me, that Christ would be formed in you, that Christ would be formed in us as a church. Before before we win a scripture memorization contest, before you're the the best student at sword drills at whatever group you're within, whatever it is, we want to, above all else, before we fill up our heads with a bunch of knowledge, the most important thing is that Christ would be formed in us, that daily our lives would look more and more like Jesus, and that we would be people who look and act and become like Christ. Yes, we can know a lot about faith. We can know a lot about the scriptures, but what's most important is that we would become people who look like Jesus. And that's been at the heart of this series. And and talking about, we've been talking about three different types of models of faith or of church. And we've talked about a more bounded mindset. And a bounded mindset, you may have heard people say before, oh, you're being a legalist. That's kind of the bounded mindset in some ways, where we start adding things on to the gospel for people to be in the group or to feel like they're accepted. And there's the in group and there's the out group. And some people jump over the line, some people don't. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But then we also talked about fuzzy groups. And a lot of us, we leave a bounded group because it just feels like there's a lot of pressure. It feels like we don't fit. And then all of a sudden we go to a fuzzy group and we don't really know what's going on there. Everyone's, oh, we're all really encouraged. We feel good about everything. But after a while, that fuzzy group, we start asking, what are we doing here? Like, why do we get together? What exactly is going on? What, what is our purpose? And then sometimes the fuzzy group actually becomes bounded and their bounded becomes, oh, we're better than those bounded people. We figured some things out that they haven't figured out. And that group, while it's supposed to be free flowing and encouraging, it ends up almost being kind of self-serving in a lot of ways. And we said, well, we don't want to be bounded. We don't want to be fuzzy. We instead want to have our hearts and minds centered on Jesus and moving towards the cross. And so last week we looked at some different charts. You can check that out online. I'm just going to show one of them this week. And this is kind of what the centered model looks like. The cross is at the center and the conversations that we're going to have in regards to discipleship is not, are you in, are you out, or do you feel good all the time or anything like that? No, the the conversations that we're having is, is your life moving towards the cross or is your life moving away from the cross? With the the current decisions that you're making when we're having conversations with other believers or having conversations in our group, are you making decisions and doing things where Christ is being formed in you and we're moving towards the cross or are you making decisions that are moving away from the cross? And this is our desire. This is what we're moving towards. We want New Story to be a place where all people can come and feel like, hey, I can get connected here, but we are going to have conversations of, 
hey, is your life moving towards the cross or is it moving away from the cross? And we don't want to be bounded either where it feels like, oh, you know, I just didn't fit there or, I, or that. Don't get me wrong. There are times where some churches, they're just not a good fit for some people. But we also don't want to be fuzzy where it's like, oh, everything goes and we just do what we want all the time. We want it. There's a goal. And the goal is for Christ to be formed in us. And so how do we have conversations with one another, discipleship, accountability-centered conversations that are moving towards the cross where we can become more and more like Jesus? And so this week, what we're, gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about two things to move away from and two things to move towards or two things to move in as Christ is formed in us as we journey towards the cross together. And I, as I've shared every week, I got a lot of the ideas for this series from a book called Centered Set Church by a guy named Mark Baker. And Mark Baker wrote a commentary on the book of Galatians. It hasn't been released yet, but I reached out to him and he actually sent me an early, uh, a non-released version. So I was studying through that for this, for this series. And I want to share this quote from him to kind of frame our talk today. He says, a centered approach includes clear statements of appropriate and inappropriate behavior. Yet as Paul also makes clear in these verses and those that follow, rather than trusting in drawn lines to control behavior, Paul trusts in the spirit rather than commands rooted in a line of distinction that devolve into status competition. Paul roots commands in love. Paul roots his commands in love. And that's what we're going to really break apart today. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 for every point that we look at today. And we're going to talk about how do we have Christ-centered accountability where it doesn't start feeling like, oh, this is a bounded group. It's just legalistic. But how do we also not become to the point where we're just fuzzy and people are doing whatever they want? How do we have Christ-centered accountability where we ensure that one another is becoming more and more like Jesus? So, first, two things to move away from, and then two things to move in or to move towards. The first thing that we want to move away from is this, is we want to move away from bounded models and bounded thinking. You could have probably guessed that point if you've been here the first three weeks, but we want to move away from bounded models and bounded thinking. Oftentimes what happens in a bounded group is it starts to feel like a click, it starts to feel like, uh, you know, I just don't really look or think, or I, I just don't know, I can't really fit here. And there's a clear line of the people who are in and the people who are out. And we want to move away from this bounded thinking where oh, it's, all, like I said, it feels like a click. And you have to think a certain way and look a certain way and act a certain way. You kind of assume people's positions on things in conversation because everyone just always thinks the same all of the time. We want to move away from this bounded mindset. Because clicks, clicks aren't fun. Nobody liked clicks in high school, but sometimes we still end up doing that as adults as well, and we don't want to acknowledge it. But we want to move away from this clicky mindset. As in the words of Michael Scott, I love inside jokes, and I'd love to be a part of one someday. If you remember when he, it, 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 like, we, we don't want to be the group that's inside jokes, and there's gossip, and there's internal conversations, and we just have this, this is who we are, and you're either this way, or you're in, or you're out. And sometimes this bounded thinking almost starts with like innocent ideas. And, and we're actually drawing lines in a sense without even realizing it. Sometimes we do this with our denominations. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, want, I don't mean any disrespect to any denominations. There's, there's a lot of things that I respect about the various denominations and the history and the tradition that go with them. So I, I don't want to disrespect that in any way. But sometimes 
We identify with our tradition or our denomination before we identify with Christ. I've met people before, oh, I'm a Baptist. I'm, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm a Wesleyan. I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal. And that's great. It's, it's good to know where you come from and to have an appreciation for that. And to, I, I understand that completely. But sometimes we're almost like, you know, I'm in the one that's the real one. You know, you guys over there, <laughs> yeah, it's good and everything. And I, and I like it, but I, I'm in the real one. This kind of feeling of superiority. About 10 years ago, I met this guy who was a free will Baptist. And within my five-minute conversation with him, I, he was a nice guy. He wasn't mean or anything. He told me about 10 times that he was a free will Baptist. He told me his name. And then the second thing he told me was that he was a free will Baptist. And then he informed me that whenever he moved to a town, he looked for a free will Baptist church. He would drive over 40 minutes to find a free will Baptist church. He was all about being a free will Baptist. And no disrespect to free will Baptists. But this, this was just, it was almost like he was more proud of this distinction that, that let, I, I, you know, I got the, you know, I'm, I'm you know, free will Baptist. A, a number of years ago, I knew a, a group of guys who, who were Calvinists. And, you know, I have a lot of Calvinist friends who I really love and respect. And Calvinist, generally speaking, is uh, the idea that uh, everyone is predestined. Whether you're predestined, God predetermines people's, and there's no free will, and there's that type of thing. And I'm not in that camp, but I have a lot of friends in that camp that I respect. But at first, I was like, I didn't like this group of people because they would go to ministries and groups that were not Calvinist and try to convert people to Calvinism. And it's like, why are, you, why are you doing this? Just go start your own church if you're so passionate about this. And it's like they were more concerned about getting people to become Calvinists than they were with people following Jesus. I, I've been in groups before where it's like, you know, the real Christians, they speak in tongues. That's what the real Christians do. And it's like, okay, everybody has a spiritual gift. Not everybody has the same gifts. And it's like, there's this bounded, and you're either in or you're out. And you either do or you don't. If you don't, you, you might be a Christian, but you know, you're not one of the real ones. There's, there's a bit of, uh, there's a, a comedian. He's, he's kind of obscure. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend his content for most people. Um, <laughs> his, name, his name is Emo Phillips. He's kind of a weird guy. If you know who I'm talking about, he's a strange guy. Um, and he has this joke about religion. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but I, and I'm going to butcher the joke a little bit, but I want to share it because it, it really illustrates this point. He said, and, the, and I'm not going to tell it like Emo would tell it, because if you know how Emo talks, it's very, very strange. Like, he's a different bird. But anyway, so in, in the joke, he said, I was, my friend shared with me recently that he's no longer religious. And I said, oh, you're religious? Well, what did you used to be, Christian or Jewish? And he said, Christian. I said, oh, me too. I said, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. I said, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. He said, Baptist. I said, oh, me too. I said, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. I said, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Fundamentalist Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. I said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Nor'easter Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. I said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1869 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He looked at me and said, Northern Conservative Baptist this Great Lakes Region Council of 1869, I looked at him and said, die, heretic. <laughs> 
a little, a little tongue-in-cheek, a little, a, little, a little in your face, but that's kind of how we get sometimes when we get in these bounded models, this bounded thinking. I know the way. I'm just a little bit better. I'm a little bit above. And Paul addresses this directly all throughout the book of Galatians, and he addresses it here in Galatians chapter 5, where he says this, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you that the Lord that that the Lord that you will adopt no other view. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. So he's getting, he's getting pretty in your face in this moment as well. But he's so frustrated because there was a group of people, as we've talked about every week, who were going around and saying, hey, if you're really a Christ follower, then you'll still follow the old Jewish traditions. You'll still get circumcised. And he's, Paul is pushing against this and saying, no, no, no. It's not about adding things onto the gospel. It's Jesus. And Jesus alone is the one who has fully and completely rescued us. But when we get wrapped up in this bounded thinking sometimes, we start adding things on. And last week we talked about more practically of some things that we add on. But as Paul is so passionately here, says, I wish those people would just mutilate themselves because they're distorting the gospel. And what happens is when we allow bounded thinking and bounded teaching to be the predominant thing that is happening in our churches or religious spaces, people miss out on the fullness of the life that Christ has for them. Or, or they start walking away from faith altogether. Now, I'll be the first to acknowledge, there have been times in my life where I have been more bounded or more legalistic. And I'm sure that those times will happen again. I, I bet if you've been in church for some time, you've been there as well. There have been times where you've been more bounded or more legalistic. And so we've all been there before. There needs to be some grace here. But I do think that within the evangelical church, we should repent for the amount of times that we've allowed people with bounded thinking or bounded mindsets to have authority within our churches and within our spaces. Because for far too long, we've allowed people with bounded thinking to be in places of influence and then go, oh, they're just a little passionate. They're just a little extreme. You know, there's... And we're talking now to people who are walking away from church and the Jesus they're walking away from isn't even a clear picture of Jesus. They're walking away from a bounded view of Jesus. They're walking away from a movement of, well, you know, I just didn't check all the boxes. So, you know, I guess I just didn't fit there anymore. And, and if you're like not fully convinced that this is an issue, uh, let, me, let me propose that you maybe try a couple things. Find someone in your life who doesn't normally attend church and does not claim to be a Christian and ask them, multiple people, friends, family, coworkers, and ask them, what comes to your mind when you hear about Christians? What comes to your mind when you hear the word Christian or Christianity? And I, I can almost guarantee you that in most of the responses you will receive, the responses will have nothing to do with Jesus, but they'll have to do with outward bounded behavior. And some of that some of that, I'm sure you could say, oh, that's unfair. That's a mischaracterization. I get it. 
But how often are we not known by our love and we're not known by who Christ is, but we are known by some, something else that is just like this outward add-on that, you know, if to be a Christian, then you have to, you know, you got to vote this way or you got to do this or you got to do that. Just, just ask that question. Or if you're here this morning, and this is, this is a bit of a challenge, but if you're a parent and you have a child that is between 18 to 35 years old, ask them this question. And even if they're, if they're closer to Jesus or they've, or they've walked away from Jesus, ask them this question. How has your view of Jesus changed since you were a child? Just ask them that question. Because I've talked to so many people who, who they grew up with a bounded mindset and they're in that age bracket of 18 to 35 and they're, and they're maybe rediscovering Jesus in a new way that's making the previous generation uncomfortable or they've walked away from Jesus altogether. And just ask them, how has your view of Jesus changed? And let them talk. Just let them talk. Don't be defensive. Don't be, or ask them this question. As a child, what was your view of God? Did you feel like God was angry with you a lot? Did you feel like you knew that God loved you? Ask them, as a child, what was your view of God? And you might hear some things that you didn't expect to hear. You might hear some things, and, and here's, here's, here's what I want to be clear on, though. You might start hearing some things, because I've, I've, I've talked with a lot of people through these conversations. I've talked with parents and kids. As a parent, you might think, well, we, we didn't teach you that. And you probably didn't. <laughs> but you'd be shocked at some things that people with a bounded mindset and places of influence have taught, whether it be in Sunday school classes, in children's church, or in different spaces. And I'm not saying that we need to, you know, we need to, you know, be horrible and point the finger. And they did this and they did that because one day in 30 years from now, somebody's going to put in my generation of the church and say, you guys did this. So, so we're all imperfect. But in, in regards to helping to better understand that this bounded mindset has had too much influence in the church for far too long, and we need to move past this, start to have some of those conversation. Too many parents that I've talked with have a misunderstanding of where their, where their children are going, or children feel like their parents won't listen to them when they're talking to them about their faith journey. So just ask, what was your view of God as a child? And you might be shocked by some of the things that you hear, some of the things that was taught to them that you, you might not have known. And you know what? If you didn't know, that's okay. You can't keep track of every little piece of a person's life for 18 years. That's, it's okay. But, but sometimes we wonder, why did this person walk away? Or, or why are they doing faith differently than we did? And, and just have the conversation and be willing to listen. Because far too long, bounded mindsets have been acceptable and have been okay. And we have to move away from that. But that brings us to our second thing that we need to move away from. And this is the thing that, honestly, my generation really needs to be careful for, to move away from the kingdom of self. This is where a fuzzy mindset comes in, where the kingdom of self of, I'm now the new authority, I rebelled against the old structure and the old system, and now I'm going to just do my own thing and make my own decisions. And this is, this is where a lot of younger people, I would say, hey, if you're a millennial or Gen Z, be careful of this. Make sure that you're having others speak into your life. Make sure that if you're desiring to follow Jesus, that he is the ultimate authority. That it's not just, oh, I'm making things up as I go, or I'm making my own version of Christianity. And I'm using the word self here because Paul uses the, the word flesh in Galatians 5, and he puts, you know, flesh versus spirit. It's like light versus, it's like darkness versus light. It's like the temporary versus the eternal. It's, it's so, so flesh versus the spirit. And, and so often what happens is we move away from this bounded model because there was just so much pressure and we couldn't fit in. And now we're in this fuzzy group. And what happens in the fuzzy group is everybody's kind of doing their own thing and the kingdom 
the king of the kingdom becomes self and not Jesus. And Paul warns against this in Galatians chapter 5 where he says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh, this is it, the deeds of self, the deeds of the kingdom of self, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned that, I, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, for those who are more in the, in the fuzzy, like, I don't really know, uh, you, you might be looking at this statement from Paul and saying, all right, this is, Paul's starting to look pretty bounded here. He's saying all of these things not to do. He's saying, you know, he, you know I don't really know what to do with this here. Well, how, how, does this, how is this not bounded? But we have to pay close attention to Paul's words. And once again, I'm going to turn to, to Mark Baker for some help here in interpreting this passage. He, said, he says this on the passage we just read. One might ask, how can the apostle of grace say something like this, warning about actions? Or perhaps, how is that not a bounded church statement? First note that Paul does not say, if you do any of those things, you are out. It is not a single infraction that puts you on the wrong side of the line. Rather, he says, who live like this. He is referring to continuing action over time. He is referring to a way of life that is constantly choosing kingdom of self, kingdom of sin over the kingdom of God and is in fact moving away from the cross and not becoming like Christ, but is becoming like self. And the reason Paul warns against this, the reason Jesus warns against this, the reason the scriptures warn against this is because sin is destructive. Sin ultimately leads to death and destruction. Sin ultimately leads to separation from God and ultimately from others as well because you're so focused on self. And sin will move us away from that. And so Paul is not saying, oh, you know, you do one thing wrong and you're out. He's saying, no, a way of life that is constantly choosing the kingdom of self over the kingdom of God is a life that will lead to destruction and chaos and pain. So here are some application questions to ask. As you consider Paul's list in verses 19 through 21, in what areas do you sense the spirit calling you to work on as an individual? If you don't remember the list, go home and read it this week. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. In what areas do you sense the Spirit calling you to work on as an individual? But remember, faith is not just individual. It includes all of us. It includes all of us who are following Christ. If you're in a group or if you're, if you're walking out through faith. So ask this question as well. As you consider Paul's list in verses 19 through 21, what areas do you, call the, do you sense the Spirit calling us to work on as a church? How can we continue to work together and become more like Christ and move towards the cross together? Have these questions amongst yourself and answer these questions amongst yourselves. Talk together and let's be a people who have Christ formed in us. 
We want to move away from bounded thinking. We also want to move away from the kingdom of self and ultimately move together in the direction and in the way of Jesus and together become more and more like Christ. So here are the two things that we want to move in. The first one is move in love and service. As we move towards the cross, we will begin to move in the direction of love and service. Unconditional love that demonstrates love to all people, no matter background, no matter where they're from, no matter who they are, we should be the people who extend love because they are the people that just as much Christ died for you, he died for them. Just as much as Christ gave his life for them, for you, he gave his life for them. And so we extend love to all people and we don't want to be self-serving. We want, we desire to be people who serve others. And I just have to say, I'm so thankful for, for New Story Church. I'm so thankful that we have so many people here who you, you serve weekly or you come and serve with us at Kenton Closet or Eight Days of Hope, that we have people who are saying we're here and we're ready to serve. That means that we are together as the church moving in the direction of the cross because love, love that is like Christ will push us to serve. And our serving will continue to expand our heart to love better, to love more, and to love others. Paul lays this out for us in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. He said, For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He said, don't turn your freedom into, into something for the flesh. Remember Galatians 5, 1, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We have been set free to love and to serve. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. He said, the whole, it's, it comes down to this, love your neighbor as yourself. As the church, we have to be the people who are constantly asking, who can I love? Who can I serve? Who can I love? Who can I serve? Holy Spirit, show me. Who am I here to love? Who am I here to serve? It is through loving and serving that we make the impact on the world that we are called to make because it is in loving and serving that we are reflecting Christ. And Jesus has set us free. You can write this down. Jesus' freedom is not selfish. Jesus' freedom is selfless. The freedom that Jesus offers is not selfish. It's selfless. It's selfless. It's always thinking of the other. It's always looking to serve the other. Ask the Spirit of God, renew my heart and mind, and see where and how I can serve the other. Even if I disagree with them on some things, how can I serve them? How can I serve? Where can I serve? Here's an application question to ask. Ask this in your group or ask it in your time with God. Who can you start loving and serving? Who can I start loving and serving? Who has God placed in your life that you've maybe been avoiding loving and serving? Who can you start loving and serving? Because it is in loving and serving that we will become more and more like Jesus. You see, there's a lie out there. And the lie of the flesh is this. The lie of self is this. It's the lie that loving and serving will drain you. But the promise of the spirit is that loving and serving will actually fill you. The lie of the flesh is if, oh, I don't know, I'm going to be so tired if I go and love and serve someone. I'm just going to be tired. I'm going to be drained. But the promise of the Spirit is that loving and serving will fill you. When we begin to love and serve in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are actually living in the life and in the intention that God has created us for. Loving and serving will fill you. And then lastly, what are we going to move in as we move towards the cross? 
We are going to move in the Spirit. We are going to move in the direction and in the power of the Spirit. Remember that old song we used to sing in church? Any of you remember? I'm not going to sing it. But it was when uh, you came, no, no, you don't want to hear me sing ever. It goes, uh, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. We had the little uh, little hand motions with it from the earth to the cross. I think we like dug with a shovel or something. I don't know, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. That's the song. Is that uh, you, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. Yes, Jesus came from heaven to earth to show the way, but he doesn't just show us the way. Once he showed us the way, he then sent his spirit to empower us and equip us to live in the way. He, sa- he didn't just say, hey, here, here's what you're supposed to do. Watch and learn after me and you know, just do what I did. He, he does that. He demonstrates the way. He shows us the way. And then he sent us his spirit to empower us and equip us to live in the way. And so what does a life look like that is moving in the direction of the Spirit, that is empowered by the Spirit of God, and is listening to the Spirit of God that is making us more and more like Jesus? Here's what that life will look like. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another or envying one another. Let's not turn this into a competition. Let's not turn this into a clique. Let's not turn this into an in-group and out-group. Let's make this something where we're encouraging one another to walk in the power of the Spirit. And in doing that, we will begin to display the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus empowers us with his spirit, it's not, it's not, oh, you know, go do this and then you'll figure out what Jesus has for you. It's know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, the power of his spirit will begin to flow from you. You can't contain the Holy Spirit at work within you and around you when you stay close to Jesus. When we spend time in his word, when we spend time in prayer, when we build one another up in our groups and get to know Christ better and more and more, and we know Jesus, we can't help but for the Holy Spirit to burst forth from us and the fruit of the spirit to come forth from us because we know the one who walked in the spirit fully and that's Jesus. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. This isn't a checklist of how did I do on love today? How did I do on joy today? How did I do on peace today? You can do it that way, but it's more so if you know Jesus, those things will burst forth from your life. As we move towards the cross, amen. Someone was about to clap. That's okay. You're allowed to clap. Amen. Amen. So we want to move towards the cross and reflect the Spirit. So here's here's our last question. When have you seen the fruit of the Spirit most evident in your life? When have you seen the fruit of the Spirit most evident in your life? And when you can identify that and see that, keep doing that. Keep doing that, whatever it is whatever it is in your life, and keep moving in that direction and keep moving towards the cross. And so this is going to be how we continue to disciple one another. This is going to be how we grow together. The cross is at the center, and we want to move together towards the cross. So yeah, that means sometimes we might have to have some difficult conversations. Hey, you're being, you know, conversations like, hey, you're being a little bit bounded right now. You're being a little bit legalistic. Show some more grace and mercy. Or, hey, I think you're being a little bit fuzzy on this right now, and there's some sin that I see coming up in your life, and I want to walk with you towards the cross. Let's walk through this together. 
And in doing that and in loving and serving one another, we are moving towards the cross and Christ is being formed in us. My desire is that you would see Christ formed in you, that I would see Christ formed in me, and that we would see Christ formed in every single one of us. Because as we become more and more like Jesus, we're becoming the image bearers that he created and designed us to be. And so as we put our focus on him this morning, I want to invite you to continue to worship him. So if you would please stand to your feet as we journey together and praise him and move towards the cross.